Leonard Cohen suggested there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better. So let's talk about back to different and let the light in. I had the uh, um, opportunity and the privilege a few years ago to read some of Albert Einstein's diary, his journal. And one of the things that grabbed me is he talked about something he called combinatory play. And he said that that's where he got all his most famous stuff. He didn't go to the chalkboard and with a frown on his face, but he called it combinatory play, which was a framework of not thinking and letting ideas collide and letting sense and smells and memories and emotions just kind of um, bump into each other. And he didn't try to make them go anywhere. And that struck me as brilliant and spiritual, and it makes a great deal of sense. He also said, the significant problems we face cannot be solved by the same level of thinking that created them. Now, I'm a recovering English teacher, and I love words. I just, every word to me is just such a, a jewel. And sometimes words capture something that is bigger than the word itself. So try saying, um, I'm feeling pleasure derived from another person's misfortune. That's boring, I think. Now say schadenfreude. Doesn't that feel better? That's That's one of those words that, that sounds like what it is. It's sort of onomatopoetic, as we say. So the translation does not do justice to the sound or the impact of the word itself. That word itself reframes the experience of our trespassing on what's right and correct and the reality of living much better than the definition. So though we might not publicly acknowledge having indulged in schadenfreude, everybody eventually fesses up once they feel like you're never going to tell. And once you hear that word, it sticks and it's the perfect word. Now, another German word that I stumbled on is Einstellung, E-I-N-S-T-E-L-L-U-N-G. And it translates as a whole bunch of stuff. It translates as attitude, um, recruitment, setting, cessation, a whole bunch of stuff, which is like, who cares? But like schadenfreude, its impact is greater than its translations. So what does that mean? Um, in a nutshell, Einstelling, excuse me, um, I could read German at one point, but I didn't learn to speak German. When we're faced with a new problem, we fall back on a previously successful approach, and then we try to stuff the new problem, the, the new and novel situation, into an old box. That's Einstelling. So in this time that we're faced with, with the pandemic and politics and the environment and the list could be the entire podcast, we need, I need, I know, to be very careful not to fall into the trap of Einstelling. So where does this come from? Well, in uh, 1942, a guy named Abraham Luchens charged, he was doing a, a really cool experiment. So he, he asked 
a bunch of people to mix and pour water from a whole bunch of different size containers into each other, back and forth and back and forth, until they had achieved a certain quantity of water. And this involved a pretty complex series of steps. Then they were given another problem that had some of the same qualities. It had the uh, different size jars and it had the water and it had a goal of a certain amount, but it was very, very simple. But the group applied the same technique as they had the first time, even though it actually made the problem much harder to solve. On the other hand, folks who had not been given the first problem, but only the second problem, solved it in seconds because they weren't boxed in by the boundaries of their previous success. So it seems that we notice similarity in a current situation to a previous one, and we apply our approach to the new situation based on what led to success before. The upside of that is efficiency. We don't have to start from scratch. But there are two downsides which I think outweigh that that efficiency. First, the results of the reapplied solution may not be the most effective. And second, we miss the wonderful opportunity to generate a new insight, and therefore we miss exploring possibilities. As I've heard many times in my life, if the only tool you know how to use is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Now, I wasn't present, but I'm told, because I was a history major and I love history, that until about 1415, artists either did not realize or did not were not allowed, or I'm not sure of all the parameters of the situation, but they did not bring what we think of as perspective into their painting. The, the, the idea of creating the illusion of three dimensions on a two-dimensional surface was blocked, I suggest, by habit. Now, you've probably seen paintings that predate that, that huge change, that uh, revolution. The people in the background and the people are in the foreground are all the same size. And it's especially entertaining when the people in the background are like in a castle or on a boat because they're all gigantic to our eyes. Now, in the pandemic's shakeup, this monumental shakeup, a whole package of Einstellings is showing up. How we communicate, what going to work looks like, school, learning, community, um, chains of authority, focus on self versus giving to the community. And I'm not smart enough to have answers about all of this, but I have noticed that I am better able to cope and move forward if I question my own assumptions and my own habits. Now, we've all heard, don't fix it if it's not broken, and let's not reinvent the wheel here. But those concepts, those frameworks, those Einstellungs may not be adequate when some things clearly are broken and the tire's flat. Like that sort of pre and post 1415 divide, we're caught between two eras. But I think more importantly, we're caught between perspectives. And in this, this sort of fog of uncertainty and anxiety, 
we can move into a better way forward by examining and discarding some assumptions that may have felt adequate and comfortable before, but but no longer serve us or the people we love well. In fact, they may not have worked that well before, but we were used to them. As much as we might want to get back to normal, we can no more do that than we can bring back our, our adolescence or our innocence. So here's a couple things that have shown up in this time in my life. I've changed my perspective about virtual teaching and virtual learning. Some folks I know who do what I do simply take what they were doing, like during reading slides, what I call death by slide, and they simply post that in an LMS, a learning management system. It was boring before, and it's horrible online. It's deadly online. God, it's awful. So I've learned to find avenues in this platform that we have, and and I'm very grateful that we have it, that engage and challenge and bring accountability to everybody in the platform, and that includes myself. And it works, and it's not that hard, and people actually like it. I've also welcomed a kind of a, a new cadence in my work and in my life. I am a blues lover and a blues singer and a blues player at various times, including singing for my supper. And part of what I love about blues is it's got a lot of spaces in it. So the rhythms of my life, the cadence of my life is different. And I'm focused more on working with other people through conversation than through direction. And that's not about time for me. That's about energy. I see and I hear a really strong need and I feel a strong need for community as a new framework for work. So rather than listening for direction or giving direction, I try to work out a goal with the people that I'm working with and then find a useful balance between working together and working separately. And that works great online. And so embracing the, the platform of virtual learning gives us extraordinary flexibility, which is very attractive for all of us right now because we need to connect. And that gives us an avenue to connection that in large part was absent in a traditional classroom for a whole bunch of reasons. And finally, I have built up a sense of patience and acceptance like never before. Those, those were not qualities that I particularly practiced earlier in my life because we're all in this lifeboat together. And some of us have never handled an oar. We're, we're, we're raising ourselves as if we're our own parents as we make mistakes and discover humility and encourage rather than demand with and of each other. None of us, None of us knows this brave new world well enough to be an authority. So let's stop pretending that there is a a solution and start embracing ambiguity as a place for learning and shared growth and learn to be comfortable with not knowing what's coming, 
but very comfortable with understanding that in any given moment, we can change what is, including what is within us and what is around us. Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us, let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you.